Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. Just lift your hands to the Lord. Let's get ready to receive from God tonight. This is going to be a prophetic service this evening. I... I believe that God has something that He wants to say to His church, that the schemes of the enemy are going to be revealed and dismantled in the name of Jesus. That those of you who came in carrying a heaviness and oppression, maybe over what you're walking through, will receive the peace from heaven today and strategy from heaven. Thank you, Jesus, that you're here and that you are walking through this place and you're present, and you know every story, and you know every struggle, and you see every heart. And I thank you that you're gonna bring a word today, God, that will be a word in season, a word that would be like rain to a parched land. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. 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 Welcome to Awaken Church. I am so happy you are here. Thank you, friends. I'll see you in, let's see. I'm gonna see you in about 30 minutes. All right, don't be late. I'll meet you back here. All right. All right. You guys ready? Good, all right, you look ready. Okay, get your Bibles, get your notepads. I'm gonna be sharing from the book of Ezra today. Ezra is an Old Testament church builder. He was a priest and his story happened many, many, many years ago. And he was instrumental in the rebuilding of the house of God after Israel had been emancipated from Babylon, uh, busted out of their captivity, and then went back to Jerusalem and started to rebuild the temple. This is who Ezra was. So it was an important work. It was a, a, a work that God had blessed and a work that required many hands to fulfill. But out of this particular story, I want to bring three different scenes, and I'll give them to you up front, just in case I forget to tell you in the moment. But the three scenes are this, the picture, the problem, and the promise. Solomon said, there is nothing new under the sun. He said, whatever has been will be again. And really, Pastor Jürgen says this a lot of the time, we're on a repeat cycle. So if you ever want to wonder what is happening in your world or the world, just read the Bible and you'll get a little bit of a back history of maybe what you're facing today. This book here is more relevant than today's newspaper. (laughs) And we don't have to be like the rest of the world that doesn't learn from history. We can learn from history. This is not just a book that is living and alive, it is also a a book that tells us history and it's also a book that we're called to use to cite some precedent, which is a legal term. So when we read the stories in this book, we use it to cite precedent and say, God, because you did it then, we're believing that you're gonna do it again. So it's not just history, it's alive. It's not just alive, it's history and we can cite some precedent according to the stories and the testimonies that we see inside. So we're going to start in Ezra chapter number three. So Ezra and his crew, two particular builders, two contractors, 
by the name of Jeshua and Zerubbabel were the main players in this rebuilding of the temple along with a remnant that had come out of Babylon and were rebuilding God's house in Jerusalem. And so we're going to pick it up in Ezra chapter number 3, starting in verse 10. You ready? Turn to the person next to you, tell them you're ready because I'm not convinced. All right, good, good, good. All right, come on. When the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, the priests in their vestments and with trumpets and the Levites with cymbals, this is a party, took their place to praise the Lord as prescribed by David, king of Israel. With praise and thanksgiving, they sang to the Lord, He is good. His love toward us endures forever. And all the people gave a great shout of praise to the Lord. Oh my gosh, you guys are amazing. Okay. Because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. They were partying for the right reasons. But many of the older priests and Levites and family heads who had seen the former temple wept aloud. I want you to catch this here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump into this. They wept aloud when they saw the foundation of this temple being laid. While many others, and some versions say, while the young, the youthful, shouted for joy. So the elderly, the priests, those who had seen the temple before, are, are, are weeping over the sacredness and the symbolism and the reality of the hugeness of this moment. And the young people are shouting for joy. And no one could distinguish the sound of the shouts of joy from the sound of the weeping because the people made so much noise. Sounds like awakened church right there. <laughs> and the sound was heard far away. This is a sound that could not be ignored. And the knowledge of it spread so far away that all the people took notice of it. All right. So here's the picture. This is actually a picture of health. And if you kind of just read your Bible without stopping and letting the Holy Ghost speak to you, you'll miss, you'll miss the many revelations that lay within. It's not lost on me that this is a picture of the health of a society. The, the old people, the mature, are weeping because they are the key burden carriers in society. They know what this means the rebuilding of the temple, the reestablishing of a healthy society, things being put right, they, because, because they understand what it means when the church of God is not built and it's not there. Right. Uh, and they're so overwhelmed with thanksgiving to God that they're weeping. And of course, the kids, so the particular kids in this story, they didn't even know what a temple was. Right. They grew up in Babylon. And so they hear that the foundation's being laid and they're shouting for joy because that what, that's what kids do. Yeah, come on, woot, 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 woot. What's a temple? That, but, but this is actually a picture of health. The young people in, in like a level of joyful naivety because they don't yet carry the full burden of managing or caring for the, for the society. But the elderly, the priests, the mature, well, they're sober because this changes everything. How do you know when a community, if this is the picture of health right here, young and old, having an appropriate expression for the burden that each of them should carry? The old, mature, weeping, the young shouting for joy. How do you know if 
the picture of society is corrupted and there is an inversion. The young are weeping and the old are all about their own pleasure. So when we look at the picture of our society, do not we not see a picture not of what God has intended, but what the enemy has intended? Instead of the adults in the room carrying the burden that they're meant to carry, they are doing things that cause the young people to weep for their pleasure, wow. right? So what are we seeing in America right now, particularly in the month of June? Just recently, we saw the family-friendly pride gatherings in parks where clothing was optional. Now, now that's a picture of adult pleasure at the expense of the children weeping. That's an inversion in society. Drag queen story hour. Happening in our own backyard, very definitely in Coronado and I'm sure many other places. It's a picture of young people weeping at the expense of the adults, the mature in the room, having their pleasure. I remember just recently driving through the parking lot um, at a, like a, a strip mall. And I was driving along and all of a sudden I had to slam my brakes on. I was only going like 10 miles an hour, but had to slam my brakes on so I didn't hit a, a young man who probably looked to me to be about 17, 18 years of age as he was crossing the street. He had earbuds, earbuds in, he wasn't paying attention, his head was down and he looked up at me and you know when someone gives you a look and like they transmit, like with just one look, you get a, a, like a, an insight into their soul. And as our eyes looked, I locked, I looked at him and I saw literal the human manifestation of what this scripture meant. I just saw the burden on his face of almost like daring me, just hit me, my life isn't worth living. So much was transmitted just in that look, and this really summed up to me the picture of the inversion in our society, where because of this inversion, our young people are forced to carry burdens that they should not bear at their age. My gosh, when, when I grew up as a kid, I had kid problems. I mean, I, ha I had relatively appropriate age-level problems. Dealing with the mean girls at school. Learning to not become a mean girl. <laughs> Dealing with the power-tripping 18-year-old manager at McDonald's where I had a part-time job. <laughs> like, th these are age-appropriate problems. Actually, I remember, uh, I remember when, I, you, know, you know how these McDonald's managers can be on a bit of a power trip. You give them a, you give them a shirt and a badge and it's, it's over. <laughs> and I was on, uh, on drive-thru. And he just, you know, he was just rubbing me up the wrong way with his power tripping. So I thought to myself, well, I'm, I'm walking home. That's it. I am woman, hear me roar. I don't have to put up with this. And I walked the one mile home. And when I walked in the door, my mum said to me, what are you doing home from work so early? And I said, I quit. And she said, no, you didn't get in the car. And she drove me back. She drove me back. I had to do the walk of shame. Hat in hand. Please, Manager Shakatano, can I please have my job back? And he was so shocked he gave me my job back. 
but I had child-sized problems as opposed to the issues that are facing our young people today because we have elevated our pleasure, our vices, our wants at the expense of our children. What kindergartner in the world wants to go to school and hear about the proclivities of perverts and entertain the idea that they have perhaps been born in the wrong body. This is a picture of an inversion in society. And the picture needs to shift. So when God's house is built, health comes to a community and the picture should shift. Ecclesiastes 7.4 says this, The heart of the wise is in the house of mourning, but the heart of fools is in the house of pleasure. Now, now this doesn't mean that we're to be miserable and we're to walk around intense and serious and mad all the time and I'm weeping over the burden of my city. That doesn't, it's not what it means at all. It means that the adults in the room, the Christians in the room, the believers in the room, The mature people in the room carry the appropriate burden so our kids get to remain kids and their shout for joy is not compromised because we've lumbered on their back things that they were not fit to carry. So this was the picture here that we see in this story. That's why we have Awaken Academy because we're sick of seeing the collateral damage of what is happening in our society with children weeping and hearing things that they shouldn't be hearing at their age and being introduced to adult themes that are only desire is to mess them up. Instead, we're going to build a school where they're actually taught truth, where they're able to live their lives as children, their innocence is protected, their virtue and their identities in Christ are affirmed. Let let me make this vow to you as the pastor alongside Pastor Jürgen in this church. There will not be another June in this church where Pride Month will not go uncontested. We are not giving one single week, not one day, not a month to the devil to the father of lies who only wants to make our children weep at the expense of his pleasure. No, 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 my friend. We're going to start our own campaign that is the antithesis of what they're trying to do. They're not not having our calendar. I'm sorry. Why did we tolerate that so long? I'm, I'm like kicking myself. I'm like, what the heck? We're kind of passive. We let it be, oh my gosh, well, I guess I just won't go to Nordstrom's this month because they got the pride flag on that. Wow, and then I'll go back on the 1st of July. (laughs) I'm like, "What what are we doing? We're the light of the world. When we look around at at what has happened to our young people, and when I grew up, I've got to be honest with you, I, I knew maybe one or two people that questioned their sexuality or identity. Okay, now they're saying 25%. You can't tell me 
that there isn't an insidious agenda at play, that the devil has been better at his marketing than the church has, and that he's been more effective at making disciples than the church has, at the expense of our children's smiles, their, their, their joy, their virtue, and their innocence. Not on our watch, not on our watch, not on our watch. not insignificant. This is, this is the picture. We are meant to be the burden bearers. There, there was a day when Leanne Matesius got to run and play and not think about anything except getting home in time to watch Inspector Gadget. And, and I, I want that for every kid, right? Like many of you maybe who were raised in a way that I was, you, you get to look back and you look at your childhood with such fondness. Like God wants that for every kid. I grew up in a church where I knew from, from my inception that God loved me. I, I never had a problem wondering if God hears me when I pray. I, I knew him. But it was because of the environment that I was raised in and that there was a fight and a battle for that. It didn't just happen. My parents were intentional. The church I went to was intentional. They didn't give ground to the devil. It's time for us to stop relinquishing our precious terra firma to the father of lies. You're not getting a month, devil. You're not getting a day. We're not even going to give you a second anymore because our children, the next generation, is too important. You're not going to rob our kids anymore. You're not going to make them cry. You're not going to make them walk out into traffic with a look in their eyes like, I don't want to live anymore because the burden is too great. It should wake us up and break our hearts. So the picture is our young people being raised where they love their lives. And sure, they're going to have little problems. She was mean to me. I didn't get invited to the party. You didn't cut my sandwich the right way. You want to devastate a toddler? Give him squares instead of triangles. Good Lord. But, but this is, you know, like, this is how it should look. But the mess our kids are caused to carry this day, but, you know, the picture that God has is beautiful. The second scene, you ready? I'm ready, good, is the problem. So there's always the picture, the God picture, just like Adam and Eve, the picture was perfect. Man and woman in perfect union with their creator, but then all of a sudden, the opposer enters. The opposer always comes to try to mess up the God picture, the problem. Look at this. So they're building the house of God there's unity, the young people are shouting for joy, the old people are carrying the correct burden. And then the Bible says in Ezra chapter number four, starting in verse one, when the enemies of Judah and Benjamin, the enemies, <clears throat> heard that the exiles were building a temple for the Lord, they're building God's house. This is a good thing. This is a virtuous thing. This is a noble thing. That the enemies came and they said to Zerubbabel and to the heads of the families, and they said, let us help you build because like you, we seek your God, liars, and have been sacrificing to him since the time of Urshadon, king of Assyria, who brought us here. But Zerubbabel, Joshua, and the rest of the heads of the families of Israel answered because they had some discernment. 
You have no part with us. We're not going to build with our enemies in building a temple. We're not going to compromise. We're going to build it God's way. We alone will build it for the Lord, the God of Israel, as King Cyrus, the king of Persia, commanded us. Then the peoples around them set out to discourage the people of Judah and make them afraid to go on building. This is how the devil works, through lies, intimidation, slander, and opposition. They bribed officials to work, to work against them and frustrate their plans during the entire reign of Cyrus, king of Persia, and down to the reign of Darius, king of Persia. Okay, so they were, they were meddling and opposing for a really long time. But surely if we're building the God picture, we're going to get a clean run, right? We're going to get an obstacle-free path. Un, uh, you know, unlike Mario Kart, no banana peels, no oil slicks. You're going to get a clean run because I'm doing this for God. I'm building God's house. I'm building God's family. I'm raising godly kids. I'm doing everything right. And then, there's an opposer. The Bible tells us in Revelation 12, 12, it says, woe to you, earth and sea. Yep. For the devil has come down to you, <clears throat> and he is full of fury, the opposer, because he knows his time is short. It says, now when the dragon, the devil, saw that he had been cast to the earth, he persecuted, he opposed the woman who gave birth to the male child. He opposed the church. The devil is opposing the church. Peter put it this way. He said, please don't be surprised when the fiery trial comes against you to test you, like something strange is happening to you. But a lot of the time when we're Christians, and, we're, and for all means and purposes, we're doing everything right, we do get surprised when the opposer opposes. We get really surprised. What? Is this an indictment on my character, Lord? Is there something I did wrong? You know, quite often it's not that you did anything wrong. It could be the case in some of your cases, so I won't, you know, completely <laughs> discredit that thought. But quite often, it can be because you're doing something right, because you're building a godly family, because you're building the, the house of God, because you're, you've taken a stand for Christ and the opposer comes. Why? Because that's what he does. The opposer opposes. So what do we do when the opposer opposes? Do we put down our tools? Do we stop building? Do we get disillusioned? Do we allow his intimidation and his threats to land on us? No, we oppose him back. When the picture faces a problem, we oppose the opposer. I want to really take some shame off some parents here today. I, um, I saw an Instagram post lately, and it was a woman who posted a photo of her teenage daughter who had been at college for two years. And she posted a side-by-side, -side, and the first picture was of this beautiful, innocent, angelic-looking girl Two years later, what returned to her was an angry, dark-haired, dark-clothing, spike-collar-wearing woman who was, was full of rage. And this woman said, I sent my beautiful girl to college, and two years later, she came back, and the college taught her to hate everything. And uh, I always like looking at the comments. The comments is, is always interesting what they say. And then a man had written in the comments... It wasn't the college's fault. You failed as a mom. And I remember just being so, like, 
I just thought to myself, how vile. How vulgar. And I prayed for that woman right there and then, that the shame of that comment would not land on her, the, the residue. Raising your kids in, in, uh, in the church and being godly parents and raising them well definitely makes you less vulnerable, absolutely. But it doesn't make you invulnerable. So this man's logic, you failed as a parent because your daughter is going through rebellion. Listen, the same logic, then God failed as a parent. Think about that for a second. Okay, if we're going to follow that thread through, then God failed. His first try at being a parent. His kids who had a perfect father made terrible choices that changed the course of history forever. So I would hate to see the comment that this guy leaves on God's page. By that same logic, my parents were failures, and I can tell you right now they weren't. They were as close to perfect as any parent could possibly hope to be. I grew up feeling incredibly safe and loved. And yet, one of my sisters, she rebelled the heck out of her teenage years. She went to a very, very dark place. She got lost in Central America for three months. Took my parents to hell and back. They had to pray her out of there and bind every devil from here to kingdom come to get, I mean, they, 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 she took my parents on quite a wild journey. And so I, I want you to understand today, maybe you're feeling shame because you're facing some opposition over the life of your child or something in your world, the opposer is opposing. Well, op- opposing you. Well, oppose him back. Yeah. Oppose him back. And don't let shame land on your life. <laughs> shame isn't going to help you. Well, what if I wasn't perfect? Well, you probably weren't. But that's what God's grace is for. Listen, if God only worked in the lives of the perfect, we would all be in dire straits. That's why he says in his word, my mercy is new every morning. You know why? Because we need it. He's like, I could give you a a delivery once a week, but it won't be enough. (laughs) I am going to bake you a fresh batch of mercy every day, especially the parents, because you're going to need it. I want to encourage you, have your kids in the house of God. Let's create an environment where our children aren't weeping at the expense of our pleasure. But but even when you know that, there is still an opposer. And if the opposer opposes you and comes against one of your kids, oppose him back. Push back, push back, push back. Don't feel shame. Don't let shame land on you. Pastor Jürgen and Samuel did an interview about the biblical response to Pride Month and And my heart breaks for some of the stories. And a woman left a comment and she said, my child just came out as transgender, what do I do? And I felt Jürgen just really lean into the Holy Spirit with incredible wisdom. And Jürgen said, sweetheart, don't give up and don't give in. Don't give up on your child's redemption. Don't give up, keep loving them. Keep speaking life over them. Keep pouring into them, keep praying for them, keep standing in faith, keep binding the devil, but don't give in. Don't give in to the spirit of the world. Here's what happens sometimes when this happens. Oh, well, maybe it is normal. And we think love is acceptance. 
No, nothing could be further from truth. The Bible says that love does not rejoice in evil, but delights in the truth. You can simultaneously love and pray for and send in faith for your child who may be caught in a lifestyle that you know is not them, while at the same time not giving in to the spirit and calling something normal that isn't normal, but actually is a perversion of how God created them to live. And at our age... It may be typical, but typical is not normal. We may be seeing it more and more, but do not confuse typical with normal. What do we do when the opposer opposes? We oppose him back. Moms, dads, don't give up on your kids. Keep believing for the redemption story. My my parents prayed for years for my sister as she went down a a downward spiral, she was running with drug dealers in Colombia. Good Lord. They had to pray her out of like a series of major calamities where she could have lost her life or worse. They were as close to perfect as any parent could ever hope to be, and yet the opposer still opposed. If it ever happens, moms and dads, don't give up and don't give in. God is with you. God is with you. God is with you. And you're going to see your prodigal turn around. There's a story that I love to tell all the time. It's a story of a woman whose name was Saint Monica. And she lived many, many hundreds of years ago. And she had a son whose name was Augustine. And she raised him in the church. And she raised him in the ways of the Lord. And she raised him in such a way that they were in an environment where the kids were joyful and the adults were carrying their fair share of the burden. And even with all that, he went to college and he denied his faith, and he decided that he was going to be someone who who evangelized people to atheism. His name was Augustine. And every Sunday, this mother would not give up, and she would not give in. And she would find herself on the altar call every Sunday, Sunday. She was one of those women that you see on the altar call every single week. Don't judge those women because they could be like St. Monica, crying out for their kid every single time the doors of the church are open and standing and believing God for a miracle. And so the priest, I mean, you can wear the priest out. You can't wear God out, but you can wear the pastor out, just saying. So this woman would come time and time again and pray and grab the robe of the priest and say, please pray for the soul of my son. Please pray for the soul of my son. And finally, the priest had had enough and he just pushes her off and he looks at her square in the face and he points his finger at her and he says, Monica, don't you understand that a son of such tears, a son of such prayers could never perish? And sure enough, three years later, the atheist, the insurrectionist, Augustine became Saint Augustine and was one of the greatest church builders the modern church has ever seen. Don't give up and don't give in. Don't give up and don't give in. Catch this today, mums and dads who need it. Don't give up and don't give in. Don't give up and don't give in. All the devil has is lies and threats and smoke and mirrors and he may intoxicate your children for a little while, just a little while. But remember, raise up your kids in the way they should go. And when they are older, they will not depart from it. I didn't realize till my own son went through a a season of rebellion how much that scripture was, was a rock that I needed to stand on. It was no longer just a cute little card to write in a 
you know, a cute little scripture to write in a card when someone had a baby. Oh, cute. Now, now this was a, a life vest in a raging sea. It was an oasis in a, in a desert for me. Don't give up and don't give in. Amen, Leanne. So I say to you today, shame off you, parents. Shame off you, shame off you, shame off you, shame off you. Stand in faith. I'm fully believing God sent me here with a prophetic assignment today. There's been an attack on our kids, and it's blatant. Are you kidding me? Uh, was it maybe two and a half years ago, the, the, the San Francisco gay choir? Why do they need a gay choir? Oh, they got one. And so they sang a song, We'll Convert Your Children. We'll convert your children. We'll do it bit by bit, quietly and subtly, so you won't even notice it. They were singing their intentions and we were still flipping sleeping. Well, not anymore, not on my watch. Pride month is over, America. Pride month is over, pride month is over, pride month is over, pride month is over, pride month is over. We're pulling it down, we're pulling it down, we're pulling it down. And I will say this to you today, you know what else is gonna shift? Just like the reversal of Roe v. Wade, Gay marriage is going to be overturned and marriage will be set right again. You can't recreate and you cannot redefine what God has already said is between a male and a female. For this reason, a man shall leave his mother and father and cling to his wife. Don't give up and don't give in. All right. Scene three, understand this, wherever there is a problem on this side of eternity, and there will be problems because there is an opposer, Revelation 12, 12, he came to earth and he's full of fury because he knows his time is short. Fine, whatever. We're going to resist. We're going to oppose. But wherever there is a problem, there is always a promise. Wherever there is a problem, somebody you need, some of you need to tattoo that on your arm. Wherever there is a, a problem, there is a promise. Wherever there is a problem, there is a promise. So here's what happened, because, because the Jewish people got so intimidated by their enemies, by their detractors, that they put their tools down for 20 years. For 20 years, they were so intimidated, they put their tools down and they stopped building. And they went back and they just kind of got on with their lives and society started to crumble around them. They looked over in the corner and there was the, the, the jackhammer. I'm trying to think of tools I know. There's not many. <laughs> what does one use in construction? A drill, okay. The drill was covered in dust and cobwebs. The chisels were all rusted over. For 20 years, their tools were gathering dust, but then the prophet of the Lord turned up. And I come to you today, mums and dads, I come to you friends today as the prophet of the Lord, okay? And so what happened was they were disillusioned. Ezra um, and, and Jeshua and Zerubbabel were all disillusioned, so they, so they just stopped building. And, and isn't that sometimes the response we can have? The problem's too big. Society's so broken. What difference will it make? Oh my gosh, and then the prophet has to come and awaken them. And, the, and here's what happened in Ezra chapter number five, verse one. 
Now Haggai the prophet and Zechariah the prophet, a descendant of Ido, Ido was also a, pro a prophet, prophesied to the Jews in Judah and Jerusalem in the name of the God of Israel who was over them. Then Zerubbabel and Joshua set to work to rebuild the house of God in Jerusalem. And the prophets of God, the Word of God was with them, supporting them. When the Word of God came to these people who had been disillusioned, disappointed, intimidated into silence and apathy, when the Word of the Lord came through the prophet, they started to rise and build again. The title of my message at the end of my message is Opposing the Opposer. We're opposing the opposer. We're not taking the opposition anymore. We're not gonna lie back and let our children be taken as ransom by this wicked spirit anymore. And when the prophet turned up, the prophet brought the most beautiful word in Zechariah 4, 6-7, says this. This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Now listen to this. Who are you, O great mountain? Please for a second, mum and dad, or maybe you're facing some opposition and there is a mountain in your way. What does your mountain look like? Maybe you're one of the many amount of growing parents have, have got a kid coming home saying there's something that they're not. What is your mountain? Name it today. Who are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel, before the sons and the daughters of the Most High God, you shall become a plain, you shall be flattened, and He shall bring forth the capstone with shouts of grace, grace to it. I want you to hear the Word of the Lord today. What is the mountain you face? How is the opposer opposing you? I specifically felt prophetically around our children today, we are to oppose the opposer. And the Word of the Lord came, it doesn't matter. Like in your own strength, you can only do so much. My parents, they loved my sister. They loved her beautifully. She had the same upbringing that I had. And yet for whatever reason, the opposer opposed and found a little foothold in my sister's life. And for many years, they had to oppose the opposer. But thank God for the Word of the Lord, that it wasn't just by their might, by their power, but by God's Spirit. And God says that by my Spirit, that mountain that looks like it won't come down is gonna come down. What is that mountain right now that is taunting you and intimidating you and saying this is impossible? The Word of the Lord is, it shall be like a plain, and I speak grace, 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 grace to it. Fear not, fret not. With every problem, there is a promise. Stand to your feet. God has given me scriptures for each of my four children. Do you know why? Because I need them. <laughs> I need them. And He didn't actually just drop them in my lap. I, I had to mine for those. I was at a place of desperation, especially with one of my sons where I was like, God, I need a word. When I look with my natural eyes, this mountain looks like it could never come down. And God gave me a scripture and a verse and it would steady my soul. And I realized it wasn't by my might. I tried everything. I'd become your typical controlling mom. I took away the phone. I tried to change the friends. I pulled him out of school and tried to homeschool him. Good Lord. <laughs> and nothing, nothing worked. But when I got the word of the Lord involved, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. 
The Bible says that the Lord is watching over His Word to perform it. Don't be discouraged today, my friends. Get a word from God for every single one of your kids and speak it over them every time you feel worried or fretful. I actually pray it and prophesy it over them every single day. Let's oppose the opposer. He's not having our kids. He's not having your kids. He's not having your kids. He's not having your kids. He's not having my kids. He's not having our kids. He's not having the kids in San Diego. He's not having the kids in California. He's not having the kids in Utah and Salt Lake City or Boise. And he's not going to have the children of the United States of America. We're opposing the the opposer. Where every problem exists, there is a promise. One of the scriptures that I would often speak over my children's Life was found in Isaiah. All my children shall be taught of the Lord and great shall be the peace of my children. I find myself saying that every single day, especially now my daughter's a teenager. So when the opposer opposes, how do we fight back? With what is written. It is written. It is written. It is written. It is written. You may be trying to pull out all your tricks. You may think that you've got the thermostat of our community, but we have the Word of God. We have the prophetic edge that you could never have, devil, and we are not taking your antics anymore. When Isaiah spoke that scripture, his audience was Israel. And how interesting that the Lord sent a prophet to give a word to the Israeli people before they needed it. Before they went into captivity and their children were being taught by Babylon and their children were being schooled by Nebuchadnezzar, by all these different people. Isaiah came and said, here's the word that I'm gonna give you in advance. All my children shall be taught, not of Babylon, not of the wicked spirit of the world. All my children shall be taught of the Lord and great shall be the peace of thy children. Come on, somebody give God a great shout of praise. So the Jewish people in the time got the message and they rebuilt the temple and it's beautiful because the Bible says that they built the temple and the words of the prophet was with them. So you know what we're gonna do? We're gonna do exactly that today. I come as a prophet of the Lord today and I'm gonna be with you and we're gonna pray. We're gonna take communion. You were probably wondering why there's communion on your seat. We're gonna pray for your children and we're gonna pray for the children of San Diego and California right now. Because when the enemy comes in like a flood, the the Lord raises up a standard against them. We are not relinquishing another day, another hour, another second, and most certainly not another month to the lies of the enemy. So we're gonna start to take communion. And I wanna encourage you, if you're here with your spouse, maybe you're not, and if you're on your own, just understand the Holy Spirit is here as your helper and and stand stand with Him. But but if you're here with your spouse, I want you to hold their hand today. I want you to start to pray for your children. If you don't have children today, start to pray for the children of our city, for the children of our church. Not every child in our county has a praying mom and dad, so stand in the gap for them, be proxy for them, and let's just start to pray. I'm just gonna let the Holy Spirit move right now as we pray and I'm gonna ask the team to come up and just sing as we pray. Really warfare, really go for it today. Pray for the babies yet to be born. Pray for the generations yet to come. If you know a child who is struggling today and is being indoctrinated by the spirit of this world, stand in the gap for them. 
pray for them. I'm telling you, there is gonna be great fruit from this meeting. This meeting is alive. God is here. Pray for your kids, pray for your children, pray for the ones that are far from God. They're coming back, they're coming back, they're coming back. The prodigals are gonna come home. The prodigals are gonna come home. Shame was put to shame by perfect love. Righteous made to reign His crown on us. Triumph of the saints by His blood. Shame was put to death when He rose up. Shame was put to shame by perfect love. Righteous made to reign His crown. we plead the blood of Jesus Christ over every child represented in this room. Father, over the children of our communities. Devil, we serve notice on you today. You will not have our children. All our children shall be taught of the Lord and great shall be the peace of our children. Peace is coming back to our children. Joy is coming back to our children. Laughter is coming back to our children. Smiles and innocence and virtue are coming back to our children. Devil, you will not take our children. They belong to the living God and nothing can snatch them out of their Father's hand. Father, I thank you for your word that it will not return to you void, but it will accomplish the thing that it was sent out to accomplish. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen.
Come on, let's give God a shout of praise. A huge shout of praise and thanksgiving for all he's done and all he's doing. Jesus is building his church. That's you, that's me. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Amen. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen. For more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.